am I? How tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. Hello, everyone, and happy May. DJ Abicello welcoming you in to episode number three of the Toolbox. Coming up on this week's show, the second round of the playoffs have begun in the NHL, the AHL, and the ECHL. We'll give you some fun facts about the playoffs this season and for some teams who are achieving something for the first time in quite a while. We'll also talk AHL hockey for the first time on the podcast. A former Naylor broadcaster from two. 2008 to 2010. Now the play-by-play voice of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. That is Bob Rotra. It's also time to get you prepped for the IIHF Ice Hockey World Championship, which features a nailer from this past season and also one from a previous year. Plus, where are they now? We'll talk about some players and a coach who played here in Wheeling and were champions across the pond in Europe this year. As always, we start the Toolbox with our news segment. And last week we told you that the 2018-19 home season for the Nailers will begin on Saturday, November 3rd when Wheeling plays host to the Indy Fuel at West Banco Arena. Hey, now we're able to tell you when the regular season begins on the road for Wheeling. Game number one of the season will take place in the same city that it did to start the 2015-16 season. That is Norfolk, Virginia, as the Nailers will take on the Norfolk Admirals on Saturday, October 13th. So that is certainly a date you'll want to have marked on your calendar as the journey will begin October 13th in Norfolk for the 1819 Wheeling Nailers. We, that means we are getting that much closer to the schedule being released in full, so stay tuned for that, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. While we look forward to our schedule and the excitement that 1819 will bring to the city of Wheeling, there is still plenty of exciting hockey going on, particularly in the pros, where, as I mentioned earlier, all three levels of pro hockey have begun the second rounds of their playoffs. And especially in the ECHL, there has been plenty of emotion featured in the series. Some good, some a little bit questionable, but certainly has led to a lot of excitement between terrific rivals. Toledo and Fort Wayne so far is everything we thought it would be, especially on the ice. The players, the teams, they are so talented and it's a very competitive series through the first three games of that series. Uh, The first game featured a comeback, game three. There were lead changes throughout where Toledo jumped out to a 2-0 lead, then Fort Wayne turned it around, went up 3-2, and then Toledo got two goals in less than a minute and a half to end up turning around and winning that game 4-3. Those are the momentum swings and the emotional swings that you look at that really heightens the excitement of playoff hockey and great to see that Toledo and Fort Wayne that's a series that is likely going to go deep and that'll be terrific for both of those cities as they are great rivals year in and year out we're going to be part of that group next year in the central division and I know for sure that I am excited to start really building those rivalries up to where they can get and having the fan bases get involved traveling from city to city and truly experiencing it all and soaking it in. 
Other notes from the ECHL playoffs, the two of the series, you really see two teams that I think are elite and are going to be hard to knock off, maybe even two early candidates to be strong favorites for the Kelly Cup final, where Florida has been beasts on home ice, both in their first round series against Atlanta and now in their second round series against Orlando, jumping out to a 2 nothing series lead there. And then in the Western Conference, Colorado, and you might make the joke, well, Idaho has them right where they want, down three games to none, which Idaho erased a three-game deficit to come back and beat Allen in the first round of the Kelly Cup playoffs, but Colorado putting together a very strong performance for the second year in a row, the defending Kelly Cup champions leading Idaho three games to none and then Adirondack in Manchester and you look at Manchester having to battle the odds of having to play the first four games of the series all on the road they've already won once in Adirondack if they're able to get a split out of that you really wonder how that series in terms of favorites will change if at all as it will shift to Manchester for games five and six I give them all the credit in the world. I still picked Adirondack to win that series, but to have to do what Manchester has done and go four straight on the road, even being down three to one going home for five and six is certainly respectable for Manchester. Uh, and certainly nothing that you would like to see yourself have to go through uh, having the home ice disadvantage where you play four in a row on the road and five out of the seven on the road as well. I want to expand a little bit on the Florida Everblades who we just talked about a couple of minutes ago. And they were, of course, the Brabham Cup champions this year. Best record in the league in 2017-18 during the regular season. And we have some good wheeling connections there, too. Stephen McCauley only spent a brief time here with the Nailers through the affiliation with the Montreal Canadiens and at that time the Hamilton Bulldogs. But two players who certainly left the last lasting impression here with some terrific performances during the 2016 run through the Eastern Conference Championship and into the Kelly Cup Finals were John McCarron and Clark Seymour and you see what a great impact they have on that Florida squad both very talented individuals and obviously having that experience of having success in the past to be able to bring to that Florida team. McCarron scored the overtime winner in Game 4 against Atlanta to finish off the Everblade sweep of that series. Uh, personally, and this is nothing against the fine folks in Orlando, but I'm hoping for a nice run out of Florida so that we can really give them some good focus and hopefully talk to somebody with the Everblades, either Johnny Mack or Clark Seymour or even Alex Reed, the broadcaster, former voice of the Nailers, on a future show of the Toolbox as we go forward. We talked about earlier, our guest today is Bob Rotruck, the voice of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. We may be looking up towards the NHL on next week's show as by the time the show airs, the Penguins will be done their second round series with the Capitals and also Dave Gosher, the former Thunderbird voice, now voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll be done their series with the San Jose Sharks, but uh, we will talk with Bob today about his first ever series win as a broadcaster in 10 years behind the mic, whether that be in Wheeling or he was with the Adirondack Phantoms before they became the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And you want to have big success every year. And there's certainly nothing wrong with having that expectation. Going into each season, 
Everybody wants to make the playoffs. No question. We do too. Everybody wants to win series. Everybody ultimately wants to get to that goal of hoisting a championship trophy. But it's not a guarantee. And I'm going to talk to Bob about this and ask him just how much not having a playoff series win to start his career has made him soak in and appreciate Lehigh Valley's first round win over Providence this year and what he's being able to do for the first time in his career. It's almost like with this organization, we've been spoiled by recent success. Obviously, Wheeling going to the Kelly Cup final in 2016, but you have the two longest streaks actively in the NHL and the AHL for consecutive playoff appearances with Pittsburgh going 12 years in a row and Wilkes-Barre Scranton going 16 years in a row. And that's something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the toolbox. So today I kind of want to bring to light some of the teams that may not necessarily able to enjoy the success that we have. Some of the longer active series win droughts and just for your purposes Wheeling's longest drought without winning a playoff series was seven years which was done from the 98-99 season to the 2004-2005 season where does that rank with some of the teams currently battling the lack of being able to taste playoff success well in the ECHL the longest streak actively belongs to the Tulsa Oilers who have not won a playoff round in seven years that's three years in the Central Hockey League before they hopped over and joined for four years in the ECHL surprisingly enough the team that has been in the ECHL for the longest stretch who has experienced the longest drought without a playoff series win is Kalamazoo who When I first joined the league in 2011, Kalamazoo was coming off of going to the Kelly Cup Finals against Alaska. And then in 2012, they went to the Eastern Conference Final before bowing out to Florida. And that second round of 2012 was the last time the Kalamazoo Wings were victorious in a playoff series. So it has been six straight years without playoff success in Southwest Michigan. The AHL, the longest drought without a playoff series win, is the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. It's been 15 years since Bridgeport won a playoff series in the AHL. And the longest drought in the National Hockey League belongs to the Florida Panthers. It's been 21 years since the Florida Panthers won a playoff series. And this is a wild stat, too. Florida has only won a playoff series in one season in its entire history, and that, of course, was 1995-96 when they went to the Stanley Cup Final before losing in four games to the Colorado Avalanche. So Florida got all of its playoff series wins all in one year, 21 years. That's a long, long time without playoff success. Thinking about the NHL, The first round, I think a lot of people can agree it was somewhat blah. There was only one series that went seven games, and that was Boston beating Toronto. But the second round is off the charts. It's so exciting. All four series started out 1-1 through the first two games, and they could theoretically be on the path, and I know Pittsburgh hopes this, to be 2-2 after... Four games, and that's exactly what you want to see. 
You have great rivalries. You have great teams playing against each other. The fact that you have the number one and number two teams point-wise from the regular season going head-to-head in Nashville, Winnipeg is outstanding to watch. And you definitely sense that people don't give Winnipeg the respect they deserve, and they are pushing Nashville potentially towards the brink with some really good play on home ice. Winnipeg dominated Minnesota in its home games and then game three in the Nashville series, certainly making the arena up there in Manitoba a miserable place for opposing teams to go into. There have been a lot of twists and turns in the Pittsburgh-Washington series. Game one, you had Pittsburgh trailing 2-0 in the third period, comes back with three straight to win game one. Washington, game two, you had a goal which was looked at for goaltender interference. You had, of course, the Hornquist one, which a lot of fans thought went in. Could have certainly turned game two in a different way. Game three, you had Pittsburgh blowing a 3-2 lead in the third period. Washington scoring twice, including Ovechkin, with just over a minute to go to win that game. Of course, you have the Tom Wilson drama onto that, the hit on Dumoulin in game two. Now out for three straight games because of his hit on Zach Aston Reese in game three. So what's Pittsburgh-Washington without drama and excitement? And I think the bottom line is... When you saw Pittsburgh win game one, I don't think anybody said, oh, yeah, they're going to sweep them. Or if Washington, when they won game two, I don't think anybody said, yeah, they're going to go out and win four in a row and knock them out in five. Bottom line is, I think everybody knows that this series is going six or seven games, and that's perfect. Every time Pittsburgh and Washington has played each other in the playoffs, in the Crosby-Ovechkin era, it's gone at least six. It's gone six once, it's gone seven twice, and hopefully it goes seven for a third time and everybody gets to enjoy another magnificent series leading into what's certainly going to be a tough one in an Eastern Conference Final against either Tampa Bay or Boston. The IIHF Ice Hockey World Championship, we've been talking about that for a few weeks now. It is about to get underway in Denmark, and there was a second former nailer named to a team. Congratulations goes out to goaltender Scott Darling, who was chosen for Team USA. And if you go on Twitter under Darren Dreger's page, there is a picture of Darling's equipment, and it is certainly sparkling for the Team USA goaltender. He is sharing the crease with New Jersey Devils backstop Keith Kincaid and from the Montreal Canadiens organization Charlie Lindgren. USA gets to face a rival right off the hop as they will start out the tournament by playing against Canada on May the 4th and then Germany featuring Naylor from this past season, Freddie Tiffles. The Germans will open up against the host team of Denmark that will also take place on May 4th and you can catch Scott Darling face Freddie Tiffles head-to-head as USA and Germany will take to the ice on May 7th. Where are they now? Time for that segment of the Toolbox. And we told you earlier, some champions to congratulate. From the EIHL, that's in the Great Britain area, the champion of that league, the Cardiff Devils, who play out of Wales. Their head coach is a former Naylor player. That is Andrew Lord. And other former Naylors on that team who get to taste the championship success this year. Congratulations to... Forwards, Paul Crowder and Joey Haddad, and also two defensemen, Andrew Hotham. Always great to be able to see former Nailers having success 
at other areas in the hockey world and uh, being able to taste a championship. I know that Crowder was on that team as well as Haddad in 2011 that went to the Eastern Conference Final against Kalamazoo. Uh, so certainly nice for them to get up onto the top of the mountain and win a championship this year. So congratulations to Lord, Hotham, Crowder, and Haddad on a job well done in the EIHL with the Cardiff Devils. It's now time to welcome in our special guest of the week on the Toolbox. And this week's guest is a former voice of the Wheeling Nailers, now the play-by-play broadcaster for the American Hockey League's Lehigh Valley Phantoms. It is Bob Rotruck. And, Bob, first off, I want to congratulate you. A long road, and you got a chance this past week to call your first-ever playoff series win as a broadcaster. How neat was that opportunity? It was fun. It feels like it's been a long time coming. I I felt like, you know, we had a very good chance when I was there in Wheeling, and and they went to seven games with Cincinnati in the first round, and I was kind of getting hyped up for the second round. I thought we had a very good chance there when they took a two-games-to-nothing lead, especially, and then uh, several years without the playoffs at all. When I came to the Phantoms, they went seven seasons without making it to the playoffs at all, which is pretty hard to do. Uh, but the team is back, and they're very strong, and they went to the playoffs last year, bounced in the first round. So this year to win a first-round series, and I'll be calling a second-round series for the first time in my life and uh, calling hockey in May for the first time in my life. I, I feel like it's something that every other pro hockey announcer has had the opportunity to do but me. So I, I finally am kind of catching up to the masses here. But I, I'm excited. This is, you know, I'm kind of focused as well because, you know, I want to make sure that we're – we're on track here, and, and I'm going to have a good call this week. Uh, so I'm kind of dialed in for that and trying to stay focused. But also, you know, it, it, it is exciting. And, and I, I am really kind of pumped to have this opportunity finally, and I feel like it's been a long time coming. You and I talked about it two years ago to this week when we were in Reading for Game 4 of the second round series, triple overtime, and you were helping me fill my intermissions that night leading up to the <laughs> ultimate winner by Cody Wido. Because it's taken so long for you to get to round number two, have you had a chance to appreciate it more and soak it in more? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I didn't know it was uh, this very week that I visited you in Reading for that game and, and, you know, that triple overtime game that went until midnight or was it past midnight? It was, it was really late <laughs> and, and, and really long. And, you know, and I was sitting there watching the game going, you know, someday I'm going to get a chance to call one of these. I hope I, you know, I mean, I knew that the Phantoms would be getting good and getting better eventually, but that was, uh, you know, my seventh straight season without any playoff hockey at all. And, you know, you have, some last place finishes in there, some really lousy teams. And obviously the seasons are a little longer when, when you don't even have a sniff of playoff contention when you're out of the race by January, which was the case for these Phantoms teams for the most part for, for some of those seasons. So, yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, now I, I, I don't take it for granted, that's for sure. And now I also don't take for granted the idea that this team is going to be so good for such a long time because the Flyers are pouring money into top-notch veteran free agents, and they also have the top farm system in all of the NHL, and all of minor league hockey. They have the, the top prospects and not just the minor leagues with the AHL and ECHL, but also the kids that are coming up through juniors and, and uh, through the college ranks that they have drafted. They're rated as the top farm system in all of the NHL by multiple sources, Hockey News and ESPN, et cetera. 
because it goes well beyond Shane Gostisbehere and guys like that at the NHL level and guys that are going to be continuing to come here for the Phantoms. So that's exciting for me to know that this team is going to be good or at least is supposed to be good and is expected to be good for the years moving forward. So there's that sense here with me and with the, the guys in the locker room and with this team that this is not just sort of a one-shot deal. This is our only chance to, to maybe win a Calder Cup and maybe get to the second round, that this second-round appearance it's going to be the expectation for this team for the next year and the year after and the year after that. And I think that Ron Hextall uh, kind of is, is setting this up to be something like that, to be a continuous run, to be something like what Wilkes-Barre has with 16 consecutive playoff appearance appearances and something like what Hershey has done in their prime where missing the playoffs is such a rarity for them. Hopefully that's what we have moving forward in the future with the Phantoms. But as for this second round, my, my first time, you know, it's, you, you never forget your first time. This, this will be exciting, and I'm really pumped for this series against Charlotte. You mentioned expectation, and that's always interesting. And this is year four for the team since it moved from Glens Falls, New York, to Allentown, Pennsylvania. And it's almost the opposite of what, Vegas is doing now in year one and what the Wheeling Thunderbirds did back in 92-93 where not only were they the new hot thing in town but they also set the bar crazy high in Wheeling by going to the final the first year is it neat to kind of build it up where here's year one we're the new thing in town and now year four it's like okay now it's time to turn it on and see how far we can go yeah I think so I mean I, I wouldn't mind you know having a situation like what they have in Vegas where you show up and all of a sudden, you know, you're top notch. I think that when we came in from Adirondack, we knew that the team still needed some work. I mean, the talk was there, Hey, we haven't made the playoffs for several years and, and we're really excited to come to this new building in Allentown and, and we want to make the playoffs, but yeah, and they brought in some veterans, but it just wasn't quite clicking and they still didn't have the, the top notch high draft choices uh, joining in. Shane Gostisbehere was coming, but then he ended up being injured for, for almost the entire season is working year with the Phantoms. So it, we knew that there was still some building to be done. I, I don't think anyone would have minded if we had just sort of built on that momentum of the first season, carried over into a really nice uh, playoff run. But you know what? It's already built in with the new arena in downtown that no matter how good or how lousy your team is in that first season, the fans are going to come anyway, and they're going to be entertained. I think you want a better product than what we had that first season. We had a lot of we had a lot of 3 nothing losses against Matt Murray. I mean, we see Wilkes-Barre over and over and Tristan Jari one year and then Matt Murray the next year. And, it's you know, we're getting shut out in our own building over and over again because we play the Penguins so many times. And, you know, by the way, those goalies are pretty good. And that, that team was really good. And so to, to have that many home losses, then you get the fans that show up and they're enthusiastic about the product. But then you lose 3 nothing all these games in a row on the big sellout Saturday nights. And they walk away going, well, this is what it was all about. That wasn't that great. So you'll, you'll lose a little bit of excitement and energy and momentum then. But I think we're picking it back up now. And people last year got their first taste of the playoffs. And it was just roaring in here for the series against Hershey that the Phantoms had last season. That went the distance in the best of five. And the Phantoms ended up losing the best of five. But I never heard it as loud in here before because that playoff intensity is different than what you get in the regular season. And so now we're in the second round for the first time. And now fans have that kind of expectation that the noise level and the energy and the intensity is, is so much more than what you get in the regular season, not just in the seats, but also on the ice. We, we just had a real physical series with Providence last week. It was, it was rock'em, sock'em, playoff hockey, and what you're supposed to have. So I, I, I think that 
yeah, I mean, you can look at it that like at the positive that we kind of spread it out a little bit. We had the excitement at the start, and now we have the playoffs. Now we have the team that's actually good. I think it can go both ways, but it's worked out fine for how we are now, and I think this team is going to continue to build, which, uh, you know, everybody kind of knows and is excited about around here. You very nearly got that awesome second-round rivalry series with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. However, Wilkes-Barre Scranton ran into a good Charlotte Checkers team that swept them out of the playoffs in round number one. So you end up with Charlotte in round two. Is Charlotte really that good, or was there something you noticed in seeing Wilkes-Barre Scranton all year that might have plagued them in that short five-game series? Well, Charlotte is that good, and, and Wilkes-Barre has had some some injury issues as well, and and I I don't I, I they they kind of faded at the end of the season. They did not look as strong to me at the end, and just sort of finding their way. And on top of that, they lose some of their top guys up to Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, they're a different team without Dominic Simone and and Zach Aston Reese. Yeah, you you miss those guys, and those those are big losses. That um, and so there's a big difference there between them and what Carolina has with Charlotte because Carolina did not go to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they sent all of their top guys back, including Lucas Walmark and Valentin Zekoff, who led the league this year with 33 goals, but he was up with Carolina for part of this season as well. He still led our league in goals, and, and some other really talented players. There's a defenseman who's a first-rounder named Hayden Fleury. Charlotte has won 10 in a row. They're 12-0-1 in their last 13, going all the way back to the end of March. We went to Charlotte in early April, and both teams were missing some of their top players. But Charlotte just clobbered the Phantoms three to one and six to one, and it sounds funny, but the six to one game was actually the better game. The three to one game was horrendous, and it should have been maybe eight to one. Uh, but our, our goalie stood on his head that game. That's how good Charlotte is. And in, in spite of the fact that both teams were missing some of their top players, I think that was sort of something that the, the players are remembering that this is what Charlotte does. They fly around there. Uh, they're the top two t- offenses in the league in terms of Charlotte finished first, the Phantoms, Phantoms finished second. It was a difference of two total goals, 262 goals to 260 or something like that. But to Wilkes-Barre, I, I, I wasn't totally surprised. We were certainly hoping to see Wilkes-Barre in the first round if they could have pushed through against Charlotte. Uh, they're only an hour away from Allentown, so that makes the travel a lot easier. That makes the rivalry a lot more fun. Our fans here with the Phantoms could come up to Wilkes-Barre and cheer for the Phantoms players against the Penguins. And then, of course, we would get an attendance boost because so many Wilkes-Barre fans would come down here to Allentown. And when you get that kind of a rivalry within the state of Pennsylvania and you get the baby Penguins against the baby Flyers right after both of those teams had met in the Stanley Cup playoffs as well, I think that, that's a terrific storyline. That would have been wonder, It would have been wonderful. But instead, we end up getting a, a Charlotte team who's uh, a run-and-gun style offense, it, it's going to be wild uh, that way. But we have a lot more travel than we have to do instead. So Charlotte, as you talked about, has players down from Carolina. After Carolina missed Lehigh Valley, Philadelphia got eliminated. So six of the eight teams left have NHL teams who have already been eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. When you look at the eight teams remaining, is there one team from each conference that you look at and that you think would be the most difficult to get through to ultimately hoist the Calder Cup? Well, I think Charlotte, I, I, you know, if the Phantoms can get past Charlotte, then I think, you know, now they're in, in decent shape. I don't think the next round would be very easy against Toronto or Syracuse. But to me, Charlotte looks like a, a really significant challenge. They're the hottest team in the league. They're the highest scoring team in the league. They have so many reinforcements that they received back from Carolina. 
to me, that top opponent left of the eight is Charlotte, who the Phantoms have to play next. On the other side of that, Toronto has 54 wins, and they just received some of their reinforcements back because they got the Maple Leafs got bounced by the Boston Bruins. So they have Andreas Janssen back. They have Travis Dermott back. Dermott just scored a goal in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup playoffs when Toronto lost it in the third period against Boston in that Game 7. Uh, he's a good player. They don't get back Kasperi Kapanen from the Maple Leafs. He would have come back, but instead he goes over to Team Finland for the uh, the IIHF World Championship. So that's, that would have been a bigger boost for Toronto as well. But with Garrett Sparks in goal and 54 wins and a team that plays as well as they do and a team that went 2-0 and against the Phantoms this year as well, Toronto in the next round could certainly be very strong indeed. But from the West, I don't even know what to think anymore. Uh, in the Western Conference of the American League, Tucson looked very good, and, and they have you know a, a lot of young guys. They have Dylan Strom, and they just won over the Texas Stars in the first game, one to nothing. Uh, otherwise, Manitoba really faded in February, March, and April. Rockford came on strong. They're a fourth-place team in the Central, but the Blackhawks affiliation in Rockford, and, and they won in, in a three-game sweep of the Chicago Wolves at the Vegas affiliate in the first round. I, I don't see any team that really – sticks out as as a favorite or as a powerhouse in the West. In the East, I feel like we have four powerhouses left. That's kind of what it feels like to me because Syracuse is very good also, although they don't have everybody back because Tampa Bay is still playing. So if you were to pick, you'd probably say the champion is coming out of the East. That's good analysis there. We don't get a chance to watch the A enough. Yeah, I almost feel like whoever survives this Phantom Charlotte series, I, I like their chances. If Charlotte is able to push past the Phantoms, I would pick Charlotte. And if the Phantoms win against Charlotte, I certainly like their chances against either Toronto or Syracuse. I think this is a very tough series. I think this is the toughest series. And, you know, it's, you, you kind of look at it like like the Penguins, Capitals, and, and all those second-round series that they've had. Whoever wins, boy, I look at them as the Stanley Cup favorite. You know, I, I, I kind of look at it this way a little bit with Lehigh Valley, Charlotte, I think anyway. Gotcha. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with Brendan Burke, another former voice of the Nailers, and he said uh, in his travels, he'll all of a sudden run into somebody and they'll start to make the connections back here to Wheeling. You've been away from Wheeling for almost a decade now. Do you still have those moments where you run into someone and say, hey, back in Wheeling, yeah, we can make that connection? Oh, boy, geez. I mean, you know, when when you're talking with players and and coaches and and everyone, and, you know, I talk with guys all the time uh, who have played in the ECHL because we get – our guys up from from Reading, or t- occasionally try out guys from other teams, and and I mentioned to them that that I broadcast in Wheeling for two years, and and I, in Adirondack for four years, and obviously Adirondack is an ECHL team now, and so we can kind of compare and 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 uh, so, some notes in there. So uh, the, the various players as well. I mean, we you know we just had a guy that that won it in Game Four in overtime uh, for the Phantoms to to clinch that series, Max Lamarche who has spent significantly more time in the ECHL with Redding uh, and playing games against Wheeling and in that game five or that game four uh, triple overtime game of two years ago. And, and, you know, here's a guy who's been not quite a career ECHLer, but certainly more time in the ECHL than the American Hockey League. And he just scored an overtime winner in game four of the Calder Cup playoffs up here. And there's always these guys that are, are coming up. And you know what? Now the longer I'm, I'm here, uh, in the American League, and I see the guys that I know from my days with the Adirondack Phantoms and a, and a guy like Tyler Brown with Redding or Cal Heater, who's goaltending with, with Orlando, the more you really get that feeling of how good 
the caliber of play is in the ECHL. And before we were talking on the phone here, I was just sort of thinking about that. And and a guy like Cal Heater and Tyler Brown, they're probably, you know, they were legit prospects at the American Hockey League level, and it didn't happen for them for, for one reason or another. But now they're probably better players now because they're more experienced than they were when they were younger and they were 21 or 22-year-old newcomers. So from that end, you have players in the ECHL who are better now than when they were in the American League. That means they're better than some of the players now at the American League who might have higher ceilings. And you can look at a guy like John Muse as well, who's you know done so well with Reading this year and with the Phantoms. He's been fantastic as our third goalie, as our depth goalie. 29-year-old guy who won a Kelly Cup with the Florida Everblades in 2012. And he just is being used as an AHL depth guy goalie. He's absolutely an AHL caliber goalie, but he gets buried down to the ECHL so often. And it, it just makes you think, you know, the, the line is so thin and I don't even know if there is a line at all. It's so blurred when, you know, that that's kind of where, where I go when I think about the wheeling ties, just the guys that I knew from Adirondack and playing in the ECHL and some guys playing against wheeling and going back and forth there. The, the talent level of the ECHL, now I have an even greater appreciation for it, I think, than I did back then when I was there, which I, I, I don't know. I find that kind of interesting anyway. I definitely think in the last decade you've seen that gap from the ECHL to the NHL just get smaller and smaller and smaller where you will be yeah, able to prob- have a probably guy. More so, yeah, probably more so now than before. I, I agree with you. Probably more so now than, than 10 years ago. I mean, I was with Wheeling 10 years ago. This is my eighth year with the Phantoms, and I did – two years with Wheeling before that. So, yes, I, I think it has been more blurred. And now what is it? Over 600 players have gone from the ECHL to the NHL, right? Right. Um, you know, and a guy like Tyrell Goldburn, who was with Reading last year, and he makes a debut in the NHL with the Flyers this year and, and stays there for a month. That's how thin the line is. You can go from the ECHL one year straight up to the NHL the very next year. And, and the Penguins and what they've done with Wheeling, you know, that I, I, I think that's really the blueprint that many more teams should be following because you have so many more prospects that end up going down there. Uh, and you get a guy like Carter Rowney and all of those players that are, that are so good that end up earning the NHL contracts. You look at what the Penguins done and how much they, they rely on wheeling. I, I think that's exciting. I think it's exciting for the fans to, to say, you know, look, look at a Tom Kunakal and a Carter Rowney and, and what they've been able to accomplish here and on their way up to the AHL, and then before you know it, before you blink, and all of a sudden they're playing just up the road in Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, for Pete Thinks, it's, it's, it, it is so tight, and it, you, you have so much – you only have so much space in the AHL. I mean, you can keep as many players as you want, but you want your guys playing, and so if a guy is struggling, you send him down to the ECHL, say, get your reps here, get your top-line minutes here. You're only rolling three forward lines there, for crying out loud, anyway. And, uh, you know, work on your game, get back up here – and now you see it over and over again with the, you know, the 600-plus guys that have gone from the ECHL to the NHL, the first of which was none other than our head coach with the Phantoms, Scott Gordon, who was a goalie with Johnstown, and he was the first-ever ECHLer to get up to the NHL. And he's told me a few stories about it, you know, mostly joking about that he wasn't a very good goalie in the first place. But he's the guy that actually was the foundation for that. The first of the 600-plus is now our head coach with the Phantoms. That's incredible. That's so much fun to be able to hear about success stories and just see 
how players are able to move up, have an impact at the American Hockey League level, and then, like you said, ultimately make their way to the NHL. Bob, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. It's so great to talk with you, catch up on things, and get a nice scope on the American Hockey League. And, of course, best of luck to you and the Phantoms. I hope you enjoy this run and make it a memorable one as you continue into the second round. I, I am enjoying it. Say hi to the peeps back in Wheeling for me, DJ. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Bob Roadtruck, former voice of the Wheeling Nailers, now broadcaster for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and also best of luck to he and the Phantoms as they look for second-round success in the Calder Cup playoffs against the Charlotte Checkers. Don't forget, you can always keep track of all of your favorite former Wheeling Nailers in their quests for championships this spring with our 2018 playoff tracker on wheelingnailers.com. We have two teams left in the NHL, three left in the A and five left in the ECHL with players or coaches who have a chance at championships this spring. Also, visit wheelingnailers.com for all season ticket information. And if you have followed our social media, we have a neat new group benefit. So if you're a group leader, be sure to check that out as you look to make your plans for the 2018-19 season of Wheeling Nailers Hockey. For any other information, just give our office a call at 304-234-GOAL. That's 304-234-4625. I'm DJ Basella. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode number three of the Toolbox. Happy hockey watching.